0: Hey everybody dr. Z here welcome to the Z time podcast today I want to talk to you guys about the um, interrelationship with diabetes and alcoholism and so yesterday I kind of broke down a little bit more in detail about type 2 diabetes and alcoholism and what is the link there and there, about two days ago, I told you why that's important. And to, so, so then now today, I want to go a little bit more into detail about <clears throat> about type two diabetes and the root cause of type two diabetes, and 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 how it's similar to the root cause of um, alcoholism. And so, as I was telling you, there is a immediate cause, and then there is a root cause. You know, for many people. Uh, Would know that if you tell an alcoholic stop drinking we all know that that doesn't work very well Right, but somehow we take that same advice and we tell people that they just have to eat less and move more However that advice has been shown by uh, Scientific studies like the health nurses study, which was one of the largest studies done of its kind to show that this fails actually about 90% of the time, 90 higher than 90% that this advice seems to fail most of the times and so it doesn't really work. And if everybody knows that eat better and exercise is the key, then why is it that the numbers are getting worse? Why is it that the numbers are getting <clears throat> worse year to year, year to year, they're getting worse and so... It's really important for us to really take a look at okay what is the 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 um the the cause the immediate cause and then what is the actual root cause and so of course type 2 diabetes a lot of people think that that is uh that is a lot of sugar and that's the problem so you need to stop eating sugar and then the other thing is that you just need insulin to help it to help it and to cure it because that was the cure for insulin for 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 diabetes and 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 so that doesn't work right we know that that doesn't work why because there is more people with type 2 diabetes people are getting younger and younger with type 2 diabetes people are getting younger uh, with diabetes with obesity and diabetes right and Is just getting worse. The numbers are getting worse of it. And so that's why we have to really take a look at that. And estimates show that about one out of two Americans, if you're listening to this right now and you're with somebody, I mean, one out of you have uh, insulin resistance, which is just the first step into developing type 2 diabetes. And it's almost so pervasive that it has become almost normal. For these patients and for everybody to have type 2 diabetes because so many people have it and so that's why this is an important cause now the immediate cause we said okay there is too much sugar but what is the root cause we know that that doesn't work for people right what is the root cause and as, as I was telling you before there is three main root causes and one integrating root cause um, of Type 2 diabetes. And when you look at the three main ones are our biology, our psychology, and our environmental toxins. Our environmental toxins. And so we're talking about biology, psychology, and ecology right? And so what is the biology of type 2 diabetes? Well, we know from studies of the human exposome project, uh, which if you have not heard my previous podcast, is a project that is trying to quantify the totality of the human exposures during a lifetime and the influences that these exposures have on our health. And so That has determined that type 2 diabetes actually only has about a 30%, 30% genetic influence, and that 70% is actually due to environmental toxins. So there's a genetic factor that's small, but there is there. So it is about 30%. And the most important thing is that some of these genes can be turned on or off, and we know through the research of people like Dr. Ornish and many other people that after a meal that is healthy and nutritious, you immediately actually get within four to twenty four hours improvement in your tumor markers. so the tumor markers that cause tumors uh, will get turned off, and anti tumor markers get turned on so Your body turns on machines that will turn off cancer and will turn on off machines that make cancer worse. And so that's how the epigenetics aspects of it. And in terms of the biology root causes, we know that the chemistry in our bodies have... Uh, 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 influences and as you know you probably were in biology when you were in high school and you would not argue that if you put certain chemicals in a chemistry beaker there is certain reactions that are going to occur and this is the same in our bodies and we have to start looking at the food as food chemistry food chemistry so what is the food chemistry that had caused And that has caused this problem for so many people. And what is the food chemistry that causes people to actually not have type 2 diabetes? And just so you know, 80% of the people with diabetes are type 2 diabetics. 10% are type 1 diabetics. And 10% are what is called type 1.5 diabetics. And so that's the main to take a look at now. Let's move into our psychology. Our psychology is hugely important because this is what determines what we do, what we do with our bodies, and how we take in our exposures. And the psychology part is really interesting because of many reasons. And let me uh, let me tell you a reason. The one is about a doctor called Dr. Felitti, and Dr. Felitti was a doctor at Kaiser Permanente, and he actually was studying. Obesity, and he was having a program uh, that was based mainly on fasting, and he was great- getting great, great results and then six months later, a year or two years later, he saw these patients gained the weight back and One time he asked a patient that had gained the weight back, Why have you gained the weight back and she told him, Well, I don't know and and she said, Well, think about it and after she thought about it, he said she said to him, You know." My boss started making inappropriate comments to me, and I felt that if I was overweight, he would oversee me and I was be overseen. And so then, you know, not to say that everybody who has obesity has been abused, but it is to say that most that every time we have a childhood adverse experience, we have increased risk of chronic disease and this is not only a speculative anymore we know because of science that adverse childhood experiences influence and impact somebody's health majorly 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 we know that it increases the chances of having pulmonary disease if you have four childhood adverse experiences and now to unpack that what are four childhood adverse experiences look like well a father who was an alcoholic a mother who was absent a father who was on drugs neglect Um, any one of these things can cause childhood adverse experiences. And so four of these will increase your chances, um, statistically in a direct way of having lung disease, 3.7 times more likely, uh. 2.2 times more likely of having mental disorders, and 1.7 times more likely of having type 2 diabetes. So if you lose the weight, but you haven't dealt with that from your past, dealt with your present, and dealt with your future, you're gonna have uh, uh, gained that weight back. So that's why it's so important to look at the psychological factors. And it's so interesting that now with the Human Connectome Project, we're starting to map out the psychology and the neural pathways that build our psychology and the neural networks that influence the way that our behavior is carried out day in and day out and this is called the human connectome project and it's really really cool they're starting to do it with obesity and every disease state and every mental state happiness sadness anxiety and we're starting to identify and picture with graphs how these networks actually look in the brain and how these networks are able to be changed with therapy and with uh, focused attention exercises and with neural feedback using a technology called QEEG so this is really exciting times uh for the field of psychology and behavior change and habit and uh, neurohacking, really. And so then the last piece is going to be our ecology or our environmental pollutions. And there is pollutions and stressors. People, places, things, and policies. All of these can be stressors. People around you could be stressors. People could be toxic, could be hitting you, could be abusing you, right? And so this could be causing you stress, which raises your levels of cortisol level which make it harder to control your blood sugars and for your body to respond to different therapies so that's the one piece people places places you know if you live in different cities where i trained for instance in mobile alabama this was the capital of the world of type 2 diabetes and so if you live there you're more likely to develop type 2 diabetes right and so what is going on with the cities right what's in the water and so these cities um there is uh researchers that are actually starting to look at this and it's really exciting work uh one of the scientists that does a lot of this work is dr Chirag patel from harvard university uh in uh working on the human Exposome project as i mentioned before and they're using uh geotechnology and geo-intelligence, which has been used by the CIA, to layer uh, pieces of information such as income levels, uh, pollution, air pollution, water pollution, and to determine the risk that you have of developing type 2 diabetes or any other specific illness if you move into a specific area of a city. And so those are the three root causes, the three root causes of type 2 diabetes. Now, there is a fourth one that I believe is really important And then we talked about biology, we talked about psychology, we talked about ecology, and now we're going to be talking about philosophy. What is the philosophy that you live your life? What is the philosophy that determines your behaviors into your biology, into your psychology, into your environment? What is that philosophy? Because we know that depending on your philosophy, it can have different influences in your health. If you believe that your body is a temple and that your body is there to um, you know, to respect and to actually keep it the best it can be kept, so that you can perform your best inside that you can feel your best, that is going to take you into a completely different life. If you don't have disregard for your body, if you don't care about your body, then that's a different story, right? If you are a part of a religion in which they care a lot about the diet, they care a lot about the foods and the activities in the community, uh, Seventh-day Adventists for instance, there's a lot of benefits to that philosophy. We know that they have less um, chronic diseases. You know, We know that there is a little bit uh, longer life expectancy, we know that there is benefits and so what is your philosophy and I want to open this up for you in an opportunity to be able to create your own philosophy of life what is your philosophy what is the way that you look at it what how does it integrate even if you grew up as a different religion or or you change your religions um, what is your philosophy and there is a great uh, breakdown of all of this but um, a work uh, call the seven levels of consciousness and it just breaks down how humans um, wake up, grow up, and show up and how differently it is from us to go to a different level of consciousness um, and how you can integrate the different philosophies and you can make room for everything. Uh, you can make room for a philosophy that leads you to take different decisions because the word decision... Uh, Is an interesting word, right? It's very related to the word medicine. And so medicine, when you look back at the history of the word, the the word started meaning measure, to measure something, to measure. And so are you measuring the decisions that you're taking? Are you weighing them for positive or negative? The word, interestingly enough, then evolved into uh, taking action. Uh, and measure making judgments and taking measures, taking a measure, taking an action on something, and then the word evolving to action that restores hemostasis or the balance of the body. And so, it's really in, 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 important to understand that this word does not only mean a medication, does not only mean a supplement, it actually means an action. An action that you take, that you measure, that you deliberately choose to take to improve the way that you feel and the way that you perform in this world. That is the definition of medicine. And thriving is being able to take every opportunity to take those decisions. The word thriving actually means to grasp the opportunity to grasp the opportunity and as we know i love this uh, explanation by victor frankl who wrote a book called the man search for meaning and he said despair equals to pain without meaning and so if you have any one of these chronic illnesses if you're going through a hard time right now what is the meaning can you find meaning within the despair so that you can there find A new renewed sense of purpose. A new renewed sense of purpose. So listening to your body. What is your body telling you? What are the numbers in your body telling you? So you can take that. You can take that despair. You can find meaning with it and have a new empowered sense of purpose. All right, everybody. That is it for today. I hope you guys have a phenomenal day. And remember, thrive on, thrive forward, and take it easy.